0: Hi, my name is Colin Hussey, and among other things, I act. I do some writing, graphics, photography. Advice on appreciating life. Count your blessings and take nothing for granted. When I fail to do that, bad things happen. When I don't fail to do that, life is good. Life is comparatively good. That's probably the best thing I can offer. In that regard, it's usually when you take things for granted that you lose things. Experiences that form your interest, perspective, and philosophy for the arts. Please use dates, acting, photography, graphics, writing, how you appreciate media, inspirations. What are the elements that engage you on an emotional, intellectual level in the art? how you felt emotionally. I've been interested in art since I was a little kid and I started drawing. And it was a great way to pass the time when I was young. And I would listen to a lot of music. My mom and dad had an extensive collection of classical and jazz recordings, mostly. Photography was something I learned in high school. And that included darkroom work. So loading film, blind, and then uh, going to a darkroom with red light and uh, making prints of the developed film. But I didn't go into photography professionally until I acquired a digital camera uh, earlier this century. My first one being in 2003, it was a Nikon Coolpix 5000. Then in 2006, I acquired a Nikon D80, and uh, then I've been upgrading fairly steadily ever since. Currently, I have three cameras, three main cameras that I use. One of them is a Nikon D7500 with an 18 to 300 millimeter zoom lens, and I use that for events. Also, I've been using that for performances and publicity photos and portraits. I also have a Nikon D7100, and that one has a wide-angle lens that I use for real estate photography. And then I acquired a mirrorless camera, a Nikon ZFC, that has a very nice retro look. It looks like a 35 millimeter camera, but it is in fact a fully digital camera. And I acquired that so that I can shoot performances completely silent. Because even the quiet shutter feature on a DSLR makes noise. And I don't—I want to be able to capture quiet moments on stage without disturbing the performers or the audience. So in the past, I've had to hold off on doing that. As for graphic design, I came into that when somebody gave me the present of the Adobe Creative Suite. And in 2002... I spent some money on tuition for uh, the Pixel Core. And the Pixel Core is a locally based, uh, San Francisco based um, academy, I would say, or a dojo, a digital dojo. And that's where I first learned Photoshop and Illustrator and learned how to use some of those applications. And then eventually I acquired some clients, some steady clients and semi steady clients. Started designing logos, posters, postcards, all kinds of interesting things. Uh, Even billboards, political signs and buttons. Also ads on the backs of buses. So how do I appreciate media? I appreciate it greatly. I appreciate what I can do with digital media. I remember in 1993 when I recorded my first voiceover demo. I'd gotten some inheritance money when my mom died, and so I spent it on some sessions at Coast Recorders. That cost a few thousand dollars, that and the editing. Then there comes the reproduction, which was at this company in the South Bay in Mountain View, and they would then take the reel, the master reel, and turn it into a cassette tape that I could send places, agencies, and so on. But in this digital age, most of what I have on my reel is what I've edited on my own at no extra cost. I have Sony SoundForge. That's my audio app. And I use Sony Vegas for um, video editing. It's enabled me to make a lot of art and a lot of content so much cheaper than I would have done back in the 1990s. And logistically, it's so much easier. What are the elements that engage me on an emotional intellectual level in the art? It could be a lot of things. Something visual could resonate with me. Musical. I've been a musician. I've, uh, I got my major in music. Music definitely has a strong effect on me. Whether it's well-written or badly written. If it's well-written, it's like, I love it. If it's badly written, I'm annoyed. And I see this as often the case with uh, movie and TV productions that I've seen lately. And uh, more on that later. Question number three. Moments that make me happy. Enjoying a good meal. Photoing a fancy event, being part of a great project, that makes me extremely happy. Also seeing my friends do well in the arts and pull off great performances, that makes me happy too. Question four, acting advice. For me, my worst habit was overthinking. One of the things that helped me was reading David Mamet's book, True and False, where he postulates there's no character, there's just lines on the page, and the actor just creates the illusion of a character. So that helped for me. That helps for people who overthink, because also Mamet points out that um, if you're thinking about a cheese sandwich while you're playing Hamlet, say, don't worry about it. Just do the work on stage, even though, no matter what you're thinking, don't try to force yourself to think something. I also recommend doing a lot of reading out loud. That helped me greatly. I was involved with new play development, uh, starting in 1995, no 1999. I was involved in new play development in 1999. And since then I've been involved in several play readings. It's one of my favorite activities as an actor. And it has definitely improved my acting and made me more confident when delivering lines on camera, on stage, in front of this very microphone. So yeah, do a lot of reading aloud. Photography advice. Well, for me, it's trusting my instincts. Pressing that button whenever I see a moment to be captured and go crazy to shoot a lot of photos, maybe 10% might be good. Maybe one out of a couple of hundred might be decent. So my photography advice is just keep doing it. Learn to cultivate a discerning eye. Again, this is the kind of thing that it takes experience. It's just, yeah, learn from experience, learn to cultivate a discerning eye. Also, it helps to study art books and the works of other photographers like Robert Capa, Ansel Adams, uh, numerous others I could, um, Man Ray. Graphics advice. It's going to get tougher in graphics, especially with AI being more prominent and people just asking the AI to make a logo or to design something for them. It's good to develop relationships with clients in terms of just steadily delivering the material on time, being very imaginative, but also Making it fit to the client's specifications. You know, expect notes. Expect to make adjustments. Don't become too wedded to a particular idea or concept, you know, particularly in professional graphic design. Writing advice. If you have ideas, write them down. That's the best advice I can give you then you can go from there and developing them. Otherwise, if you just keep them living in your head without writing them down, they'll never go anywhere. So if you want to share something, write it down. Don't spend too much time talking about projects and development with your friends or anybody. When you have a completed project, that's the time to talk. Media recommendations. Where to start? Well, most of my comics recommendations are things that were already published, many of them several years ago. I recently purchased a volume of Love and Rockets by Jaime Hernandez. And it is just stunning, both visually, the writing, the characters are extremely well-developed. Well, in terms of comics, I like the artwork of John Byrne. I also like the artwork of Jeff Darrow. Do you see any work of his? Hard-boiled. Wow. The work of Brian Azzarello and Eduardo Risso in 100 Bullets is quite well done. Also, the series Batman Under the Hood. I don't remember the artist off the top of my head. I'd have to run into my library. It's an outstanding comic book series. Beautifully illustrated. In terms of music, wow, my taste in music range from medieval polyphony to underground hip-hop. What I'm listening to at least late at night before I go to bed is the um, choir music by Orlando De Lasso. I've been listening to a lot of Bach. Check out the channel the Netherlands Bach Society. They are putting out every piece. They intend to perform every piece Bach composed and put that on their YouTube channel. So definitely check that out. Let's see. Jazz. Recently been listening to the Dave Holland Quintet. There's a wonderful album called Prime Directive. And my favorite number in that album is Juggler's Parade. I love John Coltrane, Charles Mingus, Miles Davis, My dad was a fan of Miles Davis, the Modern Jazz Quartet, the Bill Holman Big Band, rock bands I like, King Crimson, Down. There was a band in 1995 whose album uh, came out and was being mixed down while I was at Coast Recorders. It was called Diet of Worms, and the band was a Bay Area band called Horsey. I think there's another act now named Horsey, but uh, that's an amazing album. What else? Def Leppard, Bad Brains, Steve Morse. Those are some of the other names that come to mind. Symphonic. Well, it's all over the map. But my favorite music in the symphonic genre spans the late romantic to the mid 20th century. That's also the music that inspired much of the classic movie music that I've long enjoyed. So composers I like, Bruckner, Mahler, Stravinsky, Hindemith, Bartok, Schoenberg, by the way, Arnold Schoenberg is the forefather of Don't Go in the Basement music. What happened was that he was chased out of Europe in the 1930s, as many artists were in that time uh, with the rise of the Nazis in Germany. And he wound up landing in L.A. and setting up shop there and teaching at USC and UCLA. And though he didn't compose music for movies, several of his students did. So when you hear that crazy music that conveys suspense, horror, angst, and you don't know what key it's in. It's likely inspired by Arnold Schoenberg. In fact, if you watch the movie Rebel Without a Cause, uh, the Jimmy Dean vehicle, the music by Leonard Rosenman is 12-tone, and Rosenman himself was a student of Schoenberg. But it's an interesting mixture of 12-tone and jazz. Stravinsky. I love Stravinsky. Uh, Lots of uh, polytonality. Lots of interesting things he does with that. My first favorite modern composer, though, was Paul Hindemith. And he had this interesting mixture of modernism and an ancient sound because he was into ancient music. And so when you hear something like uh, the Matisse der Mahler symphony, or symphonic dances, or uh, the viola concerto known as Der Schwanendreher. This is the kind of music, this is the style of music that would work well with a sword and sorcery epic. Who else? Well, there are the American composers, Charles Ives, William Schumann, Leonard Bernstein, Aaron Copland, Roy Harris. William Grant Still. Some French composers, Debussy, Ravel, Gabriel Fauré, Paul Ducat. My favorite Paul Ducat piece is La Paris. Let's see, other media recommendations. Movies, my God, how? where do I even start there? Well, my all-time favorite Kung Fu movie is Fist of Legend. It's a Jet Li vehicle that came out in 1995 and has a lot of different fighting styles and um, amazing choreography by Yun Wo Ping. Some of my other favorite movies: The Third Man, The Wild Bunch. Oh, there was a recent Japanese movie, Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes. Paprika. Speaking of anime, definitely. <laughs> That's my one of my favorite animes. The Space Show, Padma Inverted, the original Star Wars Episode four. I saw that several times when I was a kid in the 70s. I stood in the rain at the Coronet Theater to watch that movie. What else? Network. I've watched that several times. Goodfellas. The original Alien movie. Oh, also the Bollywood movies. Bahubali, Part 1 and 2. Then recently I saw Pony and Selvan, Part 1. And it is stunning. There are a couple of German World War II movies that I've seen a couple of times, or more than once. Das Boot and uh, Der Untergang, Downfall. Both extremely well done. English movies. There are two versions of Henry V that I can recommend. One was uh, directed by and starring Laurence Olivier, and the other was directed by and starring Ken Branagh. Also a couple of Orson Welles movies, Citizen Kane, which put him on the map uh, cinematically, and his last movie, which was finally completed posthumously, The Other Side of the Wind. And there are several hundred other recommendations I can make, but uh, it would take all night. Mistakes to avoid. Don't talk too much. That's a big one. Other mistakes to avoid. Be careful about acting impulsively. There are times when deliberation is necessary. If possible, mention the Church of Subgenius and tell us your opinion on that. Well, I don't know what that has to do with mistakes, but... uh, J.R. Bob Dobbs is certainly iconic. The image of his smiling face and his pipe uh, is unforgettable. What is your inner voice? What do you talk to yourself about? And how does that reflect on your self-image? My inner voice is a cast of thousands. There is one that's pretty dominant that I have to be mindful of, and that's my little inner critic that fills me with self-doubt, that beats me up for every little mistake I make. It's not anything I can suppress completely, but then I go back to counting my blessings, taking nothing for granted, and staying grounded. How to communicate with clients. Communicate honestly and with little drama as possible. Be the least of anybody's worries. What are the problems with Hollywood and how to fix them? The two biggest problems that I see are the malinvestment in badly written scripts. That's a big one because scripts should be well-written. If they're badly written, you're not going to get as many views and you can provoke hostile fan reaction. And maybe that might get you publicity for your project. But if your script is badly written, you're not going to make as much money on that project. And the same goes for the second big problem I've seen with Hollywood lately, and that is the temp track. That is movie scores and TV scores that sound like temp tracks, that sound like this temporary track that a director is living with and then wants the composer to write like that. And if you're going to get a composer to write like a temp track, the composers might well not have their names on the projects. Why bother? If you're going to make it sound so devoid of personality. And if a movie has a temp track sound. With the harmonic minimalism. And it's like the same key. The same thematic material that you hear in so many other movies these days. I'm likely not going to watch it a second time. However, if you've got a great score. One that has a distinct personality. Then. Then there is more of a possibility of me seeing that movie more than once. So what I would do if I was an entertainment mogul, I would banish the temp track from the process. I would instruct the filmmaker to bring in a composer in the project early, like in pre-production, get the composer writing the music while the project is shooting, so you have that music in the editing room, and you're working with something original. And you're not working with something that sounds like a temp track. Question 13, acting stories. How did you discover Newgrounds? I happened upon Newgrounds in the early aughts when I was just looking for places to play free video games. And Newgrounds is one of the sites, and there were plenty of amusing and fun video games to play. It wasn't until... Some years later, I started getting into what else the site could offer in terms of movies to enjoy, short movies, animations, and such. So it was a few years later that I got into new grounds as an actor, and what really pushed it was I was feeling very depressed about my life and my career. This is in 2014, and that depression started leaking into my auditions. And I failed to get cast in something I really, really wanted to be in. I felt like I had to do something to, you know, get myself going again, acting-wise. And so I set up a profile on Newgrounds, and I'd already had a digital voice demo. So I loaded that in, and then I paid the membership fee, or the membership donation, to uh, do away with uh, with the ad interruptions. And started watching a lot of animations and voting on them. And when I encountered an animation that I really liked, I could reach out to that animator and introduce myself to them and provide them with a link to my demo. And then there was also checking the community pages for auditions. And so eventually I built a body of work, thanks to Newgrounds. And most of my reel... Most of my voice acting reel features animations from the site. There's maybe one animation that was somebody I met via YouTube. But other than that, uh, everything else has been from Newgrounds, from animators that I've met from around the world on Newgrounds. And so that really helped me a great deal, both artistically and psychologically. It's a wonderful community. Question 14. Photography stories. Some of my best moments were shot from the roof of my apartment in the Tenderloin, back when I was still living there. At the time, I noticed there were several different types of birds, not just pigeons and crows and gulls, but also red-tailed hawks and Cooper's hawks. And so I started to shoot urban wildlife and set up an urban wildlife gallery uh, on Facebook. And I started doing a lot of this shooting even before my profile on Facebook. So, around 2008, I would say, I did a lot of that. And I've been doing that on and off uh, for ever since. One of my favorite event photo experiences was shooting this fancy dinner at the Julia Morgan Ballroom in San Francisco. This was, I think, in 2014. And one other thing about event photography is it's helped me socially. It's given me the secondary activity because without it, I'm a bit of a wallflower at parties. It takes me a while to open up. So if I have this activity, then I can check in on this crowd, I can check in on this group of people and um, get to know people that way. Oh, here's a photography story. So last year this was on a friday in april and i was just ready to settle in for the rest of the day i had on my like indoor clothes and i get this call out of the blue from the event planner at the olympic club this is in downtown san francisco on post street and it was for the um, glaucoma research foundation Their photographer, the photography they normally use, uh, was sick and was not able to make it. They needed somebody at the 11th hour. The event was like two hours from that phone call. And so I said yes. I just got myself whipped into gear, you know, just throwing on the fancy suit. And hopping on my bike with my camera and getting out there, and uh, I scored myself a $400 photography job with a fancy dinner on top of that, including filet mignon. Yum. Question 15, graphic stories. I'll give you a couple. One of them was my first bus tail ad running in San Francisco. This is for MYOB software. It was an accounting software. And I landed that job in 2005, and it had this message called The Evolution of Small Business. And I was provided with a font and some imagery, and I put it all together. And so it was fun to see that on the back of a bus in my neighborhood as I was riding around on my bike. To see my presence in the city on the backs of those buses. There have been some other designs of mine that have, uh, have been public, you know, mostly show posters. But there was another one where I had decided to join the campaign of a supervisor who was challenging an incumbent supervisor. This was in 2006, in the 2006 election. The incumbent being Chris Daly, somebody I would voted for in 2000. So I joined the Rob Black campaign and came up with the button that had a slogan, I Back Black, and that was seen all over the place. And the campaign signs, my signs and uh, the Daily signs, were competing with each other. And it got to a point of where the incumbent, Chris Daly, was on my street corner handing out campaign leaflets. And I came up with a design that I handed to him that made him laugh. And it's a silhouette of City Hall with cage bars in front of it. But see, it's a silhouette of City Hall with cage bars in front of it, uh, blocking Chris Daly's face. And the caption is, free Chris Daly, vote in another inmate. So it was fun to make, uh, (laughs) so it was fun to come up with an opposition ad that made the incumbent candidate laugh. Sixteen writing stories. There are a couple. I've undone as much writing as I've done other things like photography and acting. But I was working on a vehicle for Michelle Yeoh. This is back in the late 90s. I was a fan of hers after seeing her in the Jackie Chan movie Supercop, and had seen her in a couple of other things. And when I learned that she was fluent in English and had a background in ballet, I came up with a storyline about an assassin who hides out in a ballet studio. Well, that did get the attention of her manager or her manager's assistant, and so I had lunch with her a couple of times and uh, submitted. It needed further development, and uh, it was the original idea. But it didn't quite go anywhere. But still, the fact that I just managed to get a couple of uh, couple of lunches in LA with just my phone—this is back before cell phones—or back before cell phones were common. At least I was still I was still using a landline. And there was a Hollywood actor because I I was spending some time in LA at a friend's place, you know, polishing up this script. And this L.A. actor who had all these connections and, um, and a cell phone and a very expensive cell phone bill, and he was blown away that I was able to manage to get lunch with this person. But it was all based on a couple of phone calls and an original idea. Here's another writing story. This one is also a ground story. The first script I've written that has been publicly performed was a skit in uh, the New Grounds Voice Acting Collaboration last year. It's titled Post Animal Farm. And I was thinking of this idea when they were going through various skit ideas and I pitched it to them and they liked it, this idea of what happens after Animal Farm. What happens to And what happens to it is it becomes like a breeding farm for pigs, primarily. And uh, Comrade Napoleon is still at the head of the, the farm. But he sells his children off to finishing barns. And these pigs go to finishing barns. They're about, you know, two months old. And they are, you know, just struck in, with awe at how well-equipped these finishing barns are, how they have temperature control, And they're clean, and they get all the food and the drink they want. The second scene, we see the driver talking with a farmhand about how Napoleon is doing this, and uh, because he has to make money to keep the farm afloat, and he doesn't want a herd big enough or experienced enough to overthrow him the way he overthrew his predecessor, Farmer Jones. So I was very pleased that that got in, and... I wanted other people to act in it. I did not want to be one of the parts in it. I wanted to hear what other actors did with my parts. The fellow who produced it, Lucky D, did a fantastic job. He played the driver. He also was the producer and then we cast the other actors. There's three pigs and a um and a farmhand. They did wonderfully. It's, yeah, just great. I'll I'll provide a link, of course. Challenges I overcame and how I overcame them. Well, one of the biggest challenges has been a lack of confidence, and that's taken several different approaches to uh, dealing with that, including shrink sessions, and and like in the case of social situations, being an event photographer, that's boosted my confidence. Self-doubt is a constant challenge for me. And it's still just a matter of staying grounded, breathing. Not overthinking things, not overdoing things, but just getting things done. Parody something that annoys you using your voice acting. Well, man, one of the things that annoys me greatly is pop music that's all hook and no development, where there's no key change, man. No fancy chords, no complexity, no depth to it. 19. My system of defining value in a piece of media. The thing is, value is subjective. What I value in a piece of media might not be what someone else values in a piece of media. But what I value is a job well done. And what I mean is that it's just, it's, it's a project that is well conceived and well executed. Of course, badly conceived, badly executed media can also have some value in terms of learning what not to do. So it all depends. Now, if the media that has little value with me is flaccid, boring, just doesn't engage my attention. So, yes, can you keep and hold my attention? When someone looks at themselves in a mirror, what should they see? Oh, just their reflection. You know, see where they need to shave. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, just their reflection. That's all. And if there's anything they need to do, like, you know, putting in a contact lens or putting on makeup, I suppose if you're doing makeup and you're looking yourself in a mirror, you could see yourself as a blank canvas. My perspective on the production of explicit material. Yeah, people are going to make porn as long as there's a market for it, as long as there's people needing to jerk off. There's going to be porn. In terms of my making explicit material, yeah, I'm not really into it. Frankly, I think fight scenes are more interesting than sex scenes anyway. How do you feel about the future of art? Well, in this digital age, on the one hand, it's never been easier to make content, but on the other hand, we may start having to compete with artificial intelligence. More so. And it can be a bit disconcerting when I hear, for example, that Bruce Willis is selling his likeness, his digital likeness, to star in movies. And I don't like that. I really don't like that. If I want to see a movie with Bruce Willis in it, I want to see Bruce Willis. I don't want to see computer Bruce Willis. I mean, Bruce Willis is an animated character. That's another thing entirely, but uh, not a fan of deepfakes. I think that's very disturbing. However, the future of art, uh, it could go in many different directions. I like that, you know, with all the digital media, with all the streaming, there's never been a greater variety of different types of music and such available. So I like that part. I am rather discouraged or rather depressed. I'm depressed by pop music, which seems to follow some kind of computer formula and is all made by computer, and then the voices are auto-tuned. I don't like it that that music is so popular. It can't go out of style soon enough. I believe in the individual. I believe in the uniqueness of each and every individual human being, and that each of them has an interesting story to tell. I also believe in God. It may not be in—I you know, may not be rational. But that faith has definitely—it's helped keep me afloat spiritually, and has kept me from sinking into an abyss of depression. I just don't buy the notion that we're just bags of meat. Just listen to a lot of Bach. Again, go to the Netherlands Bach Society. Oh, addendum on music recommendations. Check out the independent hip-hop label Galapagos 4. Shout out to them. Shout out to my friend August Zumwalt, a.k.a. Awkward Strange. Look him up. He has a profile on Newgrounds, too. Also check out the music of Ali Farka Ture, the Malian guitarist. There's two albums of his that I have. The River and Nia Funke.